Hello, this is episode 180 of the Profile Psychology Podcast. I'm Dr. Nisha Reddy. This episode is on four learning styles, why it's not this easy to have everyone learn to their best ability. You know, it should be this easy in theory to support everyone in the classroom. And I've proven this because I started a school 11 years ago and did just this. I always say it's not rocket science. The mechanics modules of rockets breaking apart and studying their speeds and their trajectories was actually one of my favourite modules of that course I did in college. It's kind of cool. But this is really not that complicated. As long as we put the focus on the difference rather than everyone being different, we are sunk. But if we can't accept the equal role of women in society, that there are different sexualities, that we all look different, that we have different skin tones, and we can't meet all of those inequality. If we still don't know who we are, who others are, that we all process and communicate differently, we aren't going to accept that we learn differently anytime soon. Which is why, in a way, for some, it may seem as if I've been sidetracked here. But I can assure you that I haven't. I have the same end goal. I just realise that there is a bit of a boulder in the way. And this is what I have devoted the time to over the last decade, making humans understand that they are in their own way. In order to make a class inclusive, you actually can throw any assessment out the window and you only need to do two things. Work in 10 minute blocks and present the material in four ways. It's that easy. So let's talk them out. The 10 minute rule. You can be doing the same task after 10 minutes. You just need to be doing it in a different way. Most of those reports that you read will talk about having poor working memory. And what this means is that in many cases, people find it very difficult to concentrate properly beyond 10 minutes. They'll get to 20 max, and then they have really zoned out. And you really don't want someone to get to the place where they've zoned out, because they actually need to go through a process of resetting their brain once they've got to that place. So you really don't want to get to that place in the room. For anybody who has literacy issues, your eyes actually start to wobble up and down after 20 minutes, and you can't focus on anything. And there are an extraordinary percentage of people with visual stress, which I've recorded a separate podcast on before. So most people who are on the spectrum of dyslexia or literacy challenges in one way or another have visual stress. And so this is one of the easiest ways to avoid people getting to this place. So when I do a session with people, parents are always surprised at how much work we manage to cover and the fact that I can often work with very young children for up to two hours without taking a break. And the way that I do this is by constantly chopping and changing what we're doing. And this also really applies at university level. Most lecturers are not interactive enough and not engaging enough and don't change their format frequently enough over long periods of lecture hours. And I think this is where I saw this and where I really struggled with it. But my own class time in any subjects was a minimum of 45 minutes. And I quite often had double period classes. And those are the ones where you really have to think about what you're doing and switch everything around so that everyone is still engaged. The four learning styles brings everyone into the frame. So let's talk these out. 
There are visual, practical, auditory, and kinesthetic. Now let me write these down for you. Many people say to me that they are visual learners. The first thing to realize is that nobody just uses one learning style. They use a minimum of two, and many people, when they're working at their best, actually use four. And so the people who are labeled as having ADHD and attention deficit disorders in your room are actually craving you to do things in more than one way at once. In terms of visuals, there are two types of visual learners. There are 2D visual learners and there are 3D visual learners. I am not a 2D visual learner. I find it impossible to learn how to read. I find it very difficult to focus on the details on the page. I find it very difficult to proofread my own work. I'm not into that kind of nitty gritty process of working in a two-dimensional plane. And most people who have literacy issues are the same as me. We're all 3D people. So two-dimensional people learn how to read effortlessly and are really good at detailed work on the page. And many of them are actually very drawn to animation and they love black and white. Three-dimensional people nearly always struggle to learn how to read. And the aspect that you have to bring in for these people is what I call practical. So this is where you have a perception of the visuals. You do something with them. You create something in your mind. You create a three-dimensional object. And Lego is fantastic for this. It's this element of where you dismantle something and put it back together. This is how these people learn. And there's lots of ways that you can create system to dismantle knowledge. I've known biology teachers to create flashcards to break up scenarios into flowcharts and to break up systems. It just needs to be something that you can interact with, make and do something with. And this is why Play-Doh is a fantastic tool in any classroom. People who are practical are always fantastic with technology. But what sets them apart is they're the person who takes it out of the box and presses the buttons and figures out how it works. So it's that process of figuring out how something works by trial and error. Auditory people don't need to just listen. They need to talk as well. They need to ask questions. They need to have a voice. One of the simplest ways you can do this in a classroom is to have them to explain the knowledge to somebody else. So we did what we called speed dating for maths at one stage in the classroom, where you swapped round roles between being the learner and the explainer. Because once you can explain something to somebody else, you understand it better. And many of the challenges that happen in a classroom are because there is only one person speaking at the top of the room. And this is why I promote teachers being group facilitators and breaking people into groups. I know a class is working when I can hear multiple voices happening. And it may sound like chaos outside the room, but I can guarantee you that all of those people are learning in the room. One of the biggest mistakes we make in education is the idea of people sitting down and being quiet and listening. Because we think the to-be auditory is based on listening. It's not. It's based on talking ideas out. And kinesthetic is the one that we most struggle to incorporate into any classroom because we insist on people sitting still in the same way as we insist on them being quiet. And these people who are very kinesthetic will often go on to be hugely creative. They will be brilliant at sports, brilliant at dancing, brilliant at everything outside of the classroom, basically. To be kinesthetic 
means that you remember and you process the world based on experiences and feelings in your body. And so when I meet a kinesthetic student, I often say to them, I bet you can replay your whole football match for me. And they always can. But I equally show them that if I help them to walk through a piece of poetry in a real way and ask them to pick out the feelings and emotions for me, they can equally do that. And this is where we also go back to the fact that nobody learns these elements in isolation. You cannot be kinesthetic without being auditory, generally. So they will love music. You can't dance without loving music. It's perfectly logical. You can't play an instrument without loving music. If you listen to a piece of poetry or a piece of text read by a brilliant person, this is another aspect that drives me slightly bonkers, where we insist on people poorly reading out beautiful texts in classrooms, when there is amazing versions of it out there by amazing actors and actresses, which invoke all of these kinesthetic feelings in the text for you. If you were to listen to that or watch it and then create your own memories of the feelings and emotions that are being invoked, you would remember the text rather than just reading it. So these are the sort of considerations you need to make in a classroom. You simply need to move everything around every 10 minutes. That requires actually allowing people to move around the room every 10 minutes. You allow everybody to talk in groups and you give them exercises which helps them to do that. You present all of the material in four ways and you assume that the learners in the room don't just learn in one way, they actually learn in multiples of those ways and different combinations of them. And then you don't have to worry about anybody's assessment in the room because you have looked after everybody automatically and nobody has to feel different or weird or an outlier. Everybody will do well at the material and create their own memories and their own processing based on the way that you have presented it for everyone. Because fundamentally, everybody is different and learns differently.